Welcome to Catatonia, a cultural podcast about Puerto Rico, trauma, and unscrewing ourselves out of post-Jurgen shock. I'm Huasca Robles with Alejandra Rosa, recording from Harlem, New York. Welcome to another episode of Catatonia. I believe this is episode 10. And in this episode, um, we are going to continue talking about the issues that we began on the episode uh, from uh, a couple of weeks ago regarding the LGBTQ community in Puerto Rico, the issues they face um, as we move into a post-Maria economy. Um, the journalist uh, in, with whom I am having this conversation is a producer uh, from Puerto Rico uh, named Alejandra Rosa, and I'm very lucky to have her in this program. Uh, so please stick around and listen to our conversation. It, very quickly, it's, it's in this episode, we will discuss the history of how religion has influenced politics in Puerto Rico through the work of many uh, anthropologists um, that we're going to mention, and we, we encourage you to research their work. Um, also, acknowledging that this week has been a very tough week for Puerto Rico. Again, uh, we're getting close to the the next um, the anniversary of the uh, of the hurricane, and there are um, hurricanes forming in the uh, in the Caribbean, and, and the island is starting to have a post traumatic stress um, reaction, and and uh, it's important for us to uh, to acknowledge that and to think about what are the ways that we can take care of ourselves as we move into the next hurricane season cycle. Um, all of this when we come back. So we're back. Um, we've, I'm here with Alejandra Rosa. We've been talking about the LGBTQ community in Puerto Rico and the challenges that it has faced and the challenge that it faces um, now as Puerto Rico um, deals with this economy. And as you know, e each economic or atmospheric trauma um, pushes uh, minorities in a, different, in a different direction. And that's what we want to talk about. Before we do that, we want to take a few minutes to discuss uh, religious influence in Puerto Rico. And it's obviously, it's not something new. Um, we were colonized by Spain, and that influence of Catholicism um, was prevalent. You know, uh, they tried to um, uh, change uh, how uh, the native Tainos uh, conduct themselves culturally through the church. And, and the same thing happened again when we were invaded in 1898 by the United States after the Spanish-American War. And... Um, I actually was discussing with Alejandra a few articles that we found and we were doing some research. So there's an article by a sociologist from Puerto Rico called Emilio Pantojas Garcia. And I actually didn't know a whole lot about him, but then I did research and he's all over, all over uh, 80 grados, or the, uh, the, um, the cultural magazine, cultural Puerto magazine Rico. of Puerto yeah. Rico. And um, in this article that is called The Protestant Church and Puerto Rico's uh, Americanization, he starts talking about how um, from the get-go in, in the 1898, the uh, religious groups from United States saw an opportunity to implement 
uh, Protestant um, values in Puerto Rico through the church. Through the church, and this is really interesting, and because this is actually this is I, I actually got goosebumps when I when I read this. Um, there's a point uh, that there's a there's a there's a, this gentleman called Donald T. Moore, and he wrote a book which actually you can actually found it online called Puerto Rico for Christ, Puerto Rico Puerto Rico para Cristo. And in this book, he talks about how different um, religious missions got together to discuss how we're gonna go to Guam, how we're gonna go to the Philippines. Was Guam independent? I mean, at that point, I don't know, but I know the Philippines was uh, a possession at that point, Cuba as well, and then yeah, um, and Puerto Rico. So they were like, how do we, how are we gonna evangelize this? Yeah, this how are we gonna divide this? And and divide in the upper war. We're gonna go to that. Mm. But actually, it's really interesting. So, 120 years ago, yesterday, here in New York, was one of those conferences where they discussed how to take care of, of, of Puerto Rico. There's a, there's a quote saying here, on the 13th of July in New York, we celebrated a conference of different representatives interested in taking possessions, uh, interested in the three new possessions of America. This is more talking. Um, so... Then he, there's another uh, description in his book, and I'm translating from Spanish to English as I go, so excuse me if I'm making some syntaxic mistakes. Um, he discusses this, another assembly that they had, this one in 1899, about you know, how different uh, churches, the Presbyterian, B Baptist, and um, Ep Ep Episcopal, um, churches they looked at the map of Puerto Rico to divide it and see how they were going to divide this the Puerto Rico uh, to to implement uh, partisan values quote during this admirable prayer circle they knelt around the map of Puerto Rico that was on a table and they prayed to God that they helped us enter Puerto Rico in a way that they wouldn't encounter any hostility in the island. So, I'm sorry, but as an Arab journalist, I can only imagine people kneeling over the map of Puerto Rico. Deciding so much. Deciding without even what even yeah. the future of Puerto Rico's ideology without consulting it. Well, that serves as a huge symbol. As a huge symbol, exactly. <laughs> Um, when you read this, uh, I mean, I said this to you, when yeah, you read yeah. the article, what were your, what were your thoughts? I, so it's interesting, um, because that same image is the one that has been playing into my head again and again since I read the article. Um, specifically when they, uh, speak to how they truly... They truly, uh, they were very sure, and they knew, I mean, they knew, they knew that by using the church, they could um, build bridges, bridges with the Puerto Rican community, and a, sp a specific part that um, called my attention is when they speak about the missionaries, mm -hmm. and they speak to how by sending um, missionaries to the island, they could, they don't use the word distract, I'm going to use it as my interpretation of the right, information. Of the text, yeah. um, but to distract or to mediate mm -hmm. um, 
the other impacts that they were having on the island, right? Let's remember the historical setting, you know, uh, colonization, U.S. arrives to Puerto Rico, and years pass by, and Puerto Rico has no longer has um, a sustainable economic project. project. Um, Puerto Rico um, cannot engage in, in international relations, commercial relations with other um, countries. Right. Um, poverty, you know, it, 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 it changes, it, it got you know it, it just it changes to to track down whether it got better or worse will be like so much more a complex <laughs> thing to to sit down and speak about but um the thing is that the fact that they knew that this was happening um on one side and then on the other side they're sending missionaries to the communities just imagine because you know sometimes we listen to information or to facts um and not necessarily think about like okay so how how does this um, look like right what's what's the image of this and that's that's I don't know maybe I'm a very visual person so that's what I do so I read the article and I sat down and I said okay and said okay how does this look like so imagine this community very poor community suddenly um, their you know uh, sons are signing up and going to the military some of them dying many of them dying in representation of the US um, and uh, but at the same time that same week um let's say dolores right uh, <laughs> fictional character right. um so dolores son is on the military and he, she has no idea how he's how she is but that same week a missionary arrives to her community and starts giving i don't know um psychological treatments to affected people in name of the catholic church or the presbyterian church or, or the baptist church um so you have that going on and wait a second so these people are helping me um dolores it's not necessarily gonna say gonna think oh but i don't have my son as well so it's just it's complicated i'm just trying to you know put like you know an image of how this, this doing the like. visual exercise which i did just now with you i actually picture this very poor struggling family receiving a missionary who had shoes, who was well-dressed, who was well taken care of. I mean, that symbol in itself to them was the complete dichotomy, but also the bridge of what we can be. Right, right. You have this, um, yeah, of course. And that suddenly that missionary becomes a symbol, not only of um, the church, but also a symbol of the US, of the U.S., of the owner, of the power structure that will get to us. And that there. is exactly what this um, commandant, James George G. Gruff, um, who was, besides being uh, a, a part of the a member of the uh, of the U.S. Uh, armed forces, he was a he was a Protestant, and he writes on. Um, and the responsibilities of the uh, of the of the people that were going there with the missionary um, objective. It basically says, if we want these folks, like you said, to do away with the other structure and start a new one, they have to start believing in us because they have to produce. In other words, religion was a step towards industrialization. Yeah, and you know, adding to that comment, um, for example, I see it when when they say in the article, I'm I'm gonna translate yes. as well. Um, so you know, it's um, so the the story says, it's uh, the relation between education and preaching slash um, evangelism was clear. 
um, and also the relation between commerce and education and religion um, were essentials to the transformation of the Puerto Rican character. Wow. So there you have it. In the first part of this episode, we discussed how the Protestant Church influenced Puerto Rico from the very beginning uh, as the U.S. Uh, took control of the territory. And the second part, we will discuss how Catholicism tried to influence the, the Puerto Rican politics uh, through the Pulitzer Prize winning article written by the San Juan Star. But... Um when I began as a journalist, I started in the San Juan Star, in the magazine of the San Juan Star. And I remember that, you know, the logo was like the only Pulitzer Prize winning paper. And I forgot that the Pulitzer that the San Juan Star won in 1961 was because of a journalist named Bill Dorvillier who wrote about the influence the Catholic Church uh, tried to have in governmental elections. And he wrote a series of editorials scathing and very poetic. I'm actually going to read a little bit about uh, this editorial um, and, and just, just listen to the way that he expresses um, his, his views. The Catholic bishops who signed the pastoral letter forbidden Catholics from voting for the popular Democratic Party has transgressed previously against the people of Puerto Rico, against their country, and against the Catholic Church. Archbishop James P. Davis, Bishops James McManus, and Luis Aponte Martinez have sinned against the people by making it mandatory that they equate the religious faith with democratic political convictions. The bishops have sinned against their country by making Puerto Rico the helpless pawn for bigots to use for their political ends and to injure the Catholic Church in the national campaign. So when I read this, I just thought one thing. Where is our editorial voice right now against the bigotry that the LGBT community is experiencing? Why don't we have this every single day? Hmm. When a trans woman or man is hurt or killed or injured, why don't we have an editorial voice from the paper of note or the many uh, news stations? I am sure that there is outrage, but an editorial voice, mm -hmm. which means that a journalist or an institution yeah. was out of the way to, to, to state that something goes against rights and the wealth of a country. That where is that right now? That's what I want to know, and that's what I heard when I was when I thought when I heard this. What did you think when you when you when you read this this editorial from 1961 or something? I read it and I said to myself, "This feels such a recent piece." <laughs> wow! Yeah. You know, um, if you change a few words, you could be talking about last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Of course, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread that first paragraph. Sure. It says, 
The Catholic bishops who signed the pastoral letter forbidding Catholics from voting for the Popular Democratic Party have transgressed grievously against the people of Puerto Rico, against their country and against the Catholic Church. So there are a couple of things to, to, to think about when you read that. First of all, you have um, the fact that this letter, uh, it's ad addressing this um, situation where, you know, these religious figures um, prevented people to vote against one specific party, right? Um, and it speaks to you, or, or it, it gives me, um, so when I, when I listen to that, I remember the interviews that I recently made to activists, you know, such as um, Amarilis Pagan from Madria um, and Cabe, and uh, she will, you know, she will assess uh, uh, that it is uh, a party issue right now, like the NTLGBT agenda, um, you know, like the, the, for years, the Partido Nuevo Progresista, um, they have held a more conservative agenda. And it's something that I, I was confirmed by many of my interviewees, um, Pereira, one of them. Right. Um, so that's one thing to think about, um, to have in mind that the LGBT rights quest in Puerto Rico um, does um, have a political party affiliation. Affiliation, you know? Um, I cannot say, oh, this pastor um, prohibited their, their church members to vote against this specific candidate, but as you will learn more in the piece that will be published in, in the fall in Scalawag magazine, um, there have been, you know, ways to influence the way people act. And, uh, and addressing your question of where is our editorial, right? Who's denouncing this? That's such a complicated question because, and it really, um, I'm sorry, it is, <laughs> ah, I listened to it and, you know, I've made myself that question many times when right. I sit down and, and ask myself, where, where do I publish this story? Who's willing to tell it? Right. Um, and right now in Puerto Rico, we do have journalists who are um, producing work on the community um, in different platforms, you know. I, I don't wanna, I don't usually like list, list because they, leave a lot of people away right. you know i have a few uh, in head but then if i, I say have, one I'm yeah one. so I but just there are not so many so just you know but there are and they're doing great work but no there's not uh an institution right now a, a journal our journalist institution that's focusing on narrating the human rights violations of the LGBT community or on exploring like how has religion influenced or, or keeps influencing these rights because again like I'm not as a journalist I uh, I will love to see in my country both uh, a news organization or a platform that it's seeking to produce material on how the these communities being affected but hey let's create a, an intellectual discussion right. bring me a publication a well-educated publication right. that has journalists formed and you know that they're no they have the preparation they have the knowledge they have the facts they have the, the data 
and create a publication that defends your point. Argue it. Create that debate. Right. You know? And and, and to make, just so, to be fair, I mean, you know, I, I guess I, I do want to mention a few uh, journalists that I know that have touched uh, these issues. I mean, Manuel Clavel being one of them. Yeah. Marco Billy. Yeah, Marcos Billy. Um, so, you um, have um, Carlo Pagan, for Carlo example. Pagan. And, 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 and the reason why now I decided to mention the names is because we're making a distinction between the journalists who have the passion and the interest and the institution that wants to support exactly. that. Exactly. Because one thing is to publish one article, but with what's happening in Puerto Rico, it's not that you have like that one article that talks about these issues. It's a institution, institution that continues to explore and supports this exploration for a prolonged period of time and speaks editorially about it in loudly. Um, but we have the voices there. Um, when we come back, Alejandra is going to discuss probably the most important things about this episode today, which is what happens to the LGBT community um, now in the post-Maria economy. All of this when we come back. So this is it for this episode of Catatonia. Please stick around for the anniversary episode. Uh, it would be something that I would um, think about it carefully. It's a very important topic. Um, as a journalist who has covered trauma before, I know that facts, numbers, realities are important, but we also have to think about how do we move away from trauma? And I hope to, uh, to go in that direction next time. Um, thank you to all the collaborators, Adrian Bridges for his support and music, Alejandra Rosa for her incredible research, Joaquin Cardoso, Elian Perez, and everybody involved in Catatonia. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next episode.